Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. It is cold today. All right, so yeah, I'm... I'm in the library. <laughs> it's very great. I can always just switch the camera around and, and it looks like I'm in different places in my 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 house. Um, you know, I should have shared this with the folks on Facebook today, but I didn't. Um, let's see if that's an option. Like if I can just do it out of like, just, let's see guys. Let's see if we can do it live. Can we share live? Look at this. Boom. Oh, am I still there? <laughs> Did I lose you guys? All right. Hopefully I didn't lose you. <laughs> I just pushed a button. It said to share to Facebook. We'll see if that works. I'm not sure. Um, so, yeah, light's a little weird today. But, yeah, it's been cold out. Um, well, listen, um, we've been going through uh, the book of Galatians. And uh, I have decided today to not do Galatians. Bum, bum, bum. Um, because I feel like there's a lot going on in the world today that we should probably talk about. And um, so I thought we would take a little pause I mean, I'm definitely going to refer to what we've read because um, I think it's important where we're, what we're talking about. But um, but I think we have to kind of talk about what's going on in, in, in the world and in this country, in the United States. Um, I've got, got people from all over the world who listen. It's funny. We have small numbers, but it's global global of our few listeners um huge 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 international um, group um one of the things i wanted to talk about is i'm not gonna you know not to focus on one particular issue but what's you know what's what What's going on? Um, it's hard because like this, this is the kind of stuff that keeps me up at night. I don't know if you guys saw the video of the recently, the young man who was murdered by five police officers. Um, that's one thing um but that continues to happen and then all the mass shootings that have happened this year that we've had more days of shootings than we have had um you know then we've had days of the year um so it just seems like there's a lot of horrible things happening in the world right now. And, uh, all this violence. And, and, and for me, you know, I, I try my best to practice nonviolence. I believe in nonviolence, not just of the, the fists and the weapons, but of the tongue and the, the, the thoughts and, try to practice those things. Um, and it's just horrific to see what's happening in the world and continues to happen. Um, and it's strange, you know, it's here in this country. Um, and it's hard to... Uh, 
It's not so hard much to make sense of it, but it's hard to talk about because it's such a heated, painful issue. And so what I was trying to think are the ways that we can continue to combat this stuff that that's not maybe necessarily I mean just what how what can we do to make see less of this you know I mean it's crazy because people will say things like well you know you've got to go out there and vote you know but we voted you know and doesn't seem to matter if it's Republicans or Democrats that are in office or running the show or say they're running the show. Those things don't seem to change. You know, um, you know, we've got you've got every way of thinking of these things like, oh, we need police reform or we need to abolish the police or things like that. But you know, one of the things I was noticed when I was living in Minnesota and uh, we had everything that happened there. Uh, a few years back, it, I mean, it was it was really tough, and we had a lot of people saying, "Well, we're going to abolish the police, get rid of the police." But the problem was, is they didn't realize is that some of us who lived in poor neighborhoods <laughs> um, didn't necessarily feel that way. We wanted police that were protecting and serving us. We didn't want them to disappear because we, you know, we needed you still needed people there to help, you know. We still need people there to help our cars not getting broken into and things like that. So, um, but we also didn't want to see people who are breaking into cars or anything like that or speeding or <laughs> walking across the street be killed by police officers either. And so it was a strange thing because people said one thing, but, you know, uh, sometimes I think there's... Uh, well-meaning upper-class, middle-upper-class folks. <laughs> um, do much, too much of the talking and not listening in so many ways. Um, so anyway, there you go. That's, take that for what it's worth. But I think we all should have a voice, but I think that's why we've got to get together with people who don't, you know, who, who are diverse uh, diverse in, in jobs, diverse in thinking, diverse in race, diverse, you know, but diverse in all these situations, you know, all the people that live in different areas and in different communities and, and look at ways that we can better uh, have safer communities. Um, So, as you guys know, I'm not one who likes the word of it. All people are this, or all groups are that, or all this or that. I think it's just, I think that's scapegoating. I think it's a mistake. And, um, and we have to, to not, you know, be careful how we blanketly blame people for things. Um, but, you know, at the same time, we have this gun violence that's happening. So we have these mass murders, you know, out there with these machine guns or these semi-automatic rifles uh, killing people uh, in groups. And to be honest with you, like, if I wasn't a father, I could might feel a little more out of touch. Like, oh, it'll never happen to me. But having kids who have to, like, have these, like, these drills at their school. And they keep coming up with different names to call these drills, so it's not like, so it's not like shooter drill, active shooter drills. They don't call them because they don't want you to be that. They don't want to freak you out. But that's what they are. And uh, you know, it's scary. It's really scary. It's a really scary time to live. You know, and knowing that everything that's going on in the world, like I mean, you, you know, living in a place where if you get sick, you could be. If you get sick, <laughs> you could be homeless, <laughs> you know? It's like people are, you know, losing their jobs every day. Um, there's also, there's also more, you know, there's also something that's that's happening that's not being talking about a lot, but I, I was reading this in the, in the New Yorker magazine about how young men are falling behind in school, 
um, suicide and alcoholism is on the rise within young men's within men between like the ages of like I think like eighteen to forty five. Um, higher levels, uh, higher reports of depression, unemployment, um, leaving their jobs, quitting their jobs. So what I'm just saying is, is just there's a lot of uncertainty right now in the world and, and people are feeling it. And, and it's quite tragic. I think one of the really, really things I found to be uh, really tragic was that I read the comments of this New Yorker <laughs> uh, piece, uh, New York, yeah, the New York, yeah, the New Yorker piece, and how um, horrific people were <laughs> uh, about it because it was men. <laughs> they're like, oh, they're not getting all the attention. Oh, they're not going to... It's not like these are guys who are like, these guys are bitching and moaning because they're not... It's like, no, they're dying from alcoholism and suicide and depression. Like, this, is, this isn't time to be like sexist you know like oh well the, you know poor poor men oh they're not getting good grades so they're killing themselves you know shit like that i'm like this is just like hideous and the worst part was is seeing how many of it was like progressive people who were just like oh you know one person i knew i knew a person i knew <laughs> was on there saying like Oh, or they're not getting the attention, all the attention that they deserve, or they feel they deserve or need. You know, I'm going like, people are getting, are dying for. You know, it, it doesn't care if it's men or women, black or white, Asian, uh, Mexican, uh, <laughs> you know, African, Irish, English, European. You know, if there's a group of people who are dying from depression and losing hope. That's, there's, there, there's, there's something wrong, you know, and you can't say that this can't, this probably is somewhat connected to the things that we're seeing with these, how horrific the police are, are treating young African-American men and young, and people just really honestly, but especially young African, black Americans. Um, but, but, there's this, this 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 thing of just like, you know, we talked about it in just last week in uh, in Galatians. There's neither male nor female nor Jew nor gen, you know. And then all of a sudden, I'm seeing these large groups of of, of progressive folks turn on these men who are suffering from depression and alcoholism, things like this. And they're also saying none of the things these men are running towards conservative groups, young conservative groups. But, you know, you've got to ask yourself, well, why? Why are they running to these groups that are maybe more violent? Or maybe why are they running to these young, these groups? It's because people sense to be to go and, and and be drawn into places that they feel accepted where they feel included you know and that's why i always talk about here at revolution is that we've got to really learn to argue well and disagree well um but when i think a lot of these folks you know when you start feeling like well i don't belong and the problem is is is, is we don't solve an issue we don't solve discrimination by discriminating against the dis those who discriminated. And that's something that Dr. King understood. That's something that Jesus understood. That's something that Paul the Apostle understood. Uh, something that Gandhi understood. Something that uh, Malcolm X understood. As, you know, uh, is that you know, we can't oppress the oppressor. You know, we have to speak truth to them. We have to lead people to repentance. We have to love our enemies. We have to argue well with them. We have to see them not as enemies, but as victims of misinformation, in a way, of people who've fallen into the system, if you will. And how do we deprogram them? Um, 
uh, Zoe just said, far-right groups often offer a sense of identity. And, you know, I noticed that when I was in high school even, like, you know, I knew kids who were, like, skinheads, like, racist skinheads. And I, and I just was like, why do you, why are you guys, you know, why do you do this? But they had this sense of identity. They all looked alike. They hung out. They talked. You know, and the ironic thing was is that they ended up fighting mostly with other white skinheads who were the um, sharps, skinheads against racial prejudice. And so these guys who all looked alike would fight each other. And, um, and, and that was their commonality is that they liked similar music, but they hated each other and one was racist and one wasn't. But what I wrote is, is both groups were looking for just a common thing to bring them together. And so this kind of mutual hate for each other brought these guys together and made them feel, you know, comfortable. Um, so, so there's that, you know. Um, and, and so I think we have to look at those, those, those things. I think, and I think we have to be honest. We have to be brutally honest with ourselves about this. Um, and so, I, well, I'm going to critique a little bit of my, my, I feel like I'm a, a leftist, if you'd ask me what I really feel where I am in that. But I feel like there's these, 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 like, I feel like I live in a country where it's a two-party system that's really just one party. It's just kind of levels of conservative to liberal-ish, and then that's it. Um... Because it seems like money is really what it all boils down to. Is like, you know, if you have money, you can control the system. Um, you know, I look at these great <laughs> Democratic leaders, <laughs> you know, and they're insider traders, you know, and doing things like that. And I see, you know, I also see, I have issues with all of them, is what I'm trying to say. Um... One of the things that makes me relate to this issue is that, I don't know, a lot of you know this probably, but I guess five or six years, 2017, not that long ago, 2018, I tried to take my own life um, when I went through my divorce. So I'm part of this group in a way, you know. So I want to put that out there. You know, this is, this, this, this is not just a number you know, this is a group of, of people who, you know, that I now am, I am part of that group of people who've struggled with uh, huge depression, uh, attempted suicide, and, uh, you know, a male. <laughs> and so it happens to everybody. And I can tell you what, it didn't happen to me because I was like, oh, I'm not at the top of the list anymore. Um, it happened because I had genuine pain and genuine suffering. And that's when I think when, when Paul says there's neither male nor female nor Jew nor Gentile, you know, we're all one in Christ, but I think we could also say we're all one in suffering as well. We all suffer together. We all deal with hardships together. We all go through, you know, we, we all, you know, suffering can unite us as well. Um... But the comment section of that New Yorker article really bothered me. I mean, it really broke my heart just to see, like, the lack of empathy and sympathy on, on what people would consider the progressive or the left side. And I would think if I was a young person, you know, I don't feel that young anymore. I'm 47, but I'm youngish. <laughs> like, seeing that, if I was a conservative person, it would just be, I would think to myself, well, of course, screw those guys. I don't want anything to do with that. You know, go to hell, you know? Like, oh, I'm sorry, like, you know, your ideas of like a 1960s and 1970s males, <laughs> and that's what you think of me, makes me, you know, somehow I'm not validated for my feelings. I'm not validated for my own pain. I'm not validated for this other thing. And then to say, well, you guys have caused all the problems. And it's also going like, but really, if we look at the problems, the problems, what we see is, is uh, 
you know, we're, we're in the late stages of, of capitalistic society, a society that promised us peace through purchasing power, peace through home buying, you know, finding, filling gaps, filling these things. And um, so uh, when I think of these mass shootings, when I think of these, how these police officers are acting, I think about the victims and I think about this, I think of this insane world and it just seems more and more hopeless and more and more people are becoming hopeless. And some people are taking their anger and their pain out on other folks. And it's, and it's pretty horrible. So Jay, what's the point? You've been babbling for 22 minutes. Well, I've been babbling for 22 minutes because there's a, there is a horrific thing happening right now. These are all different things that are happening. And there's so much pain and so much suffering. And so what are we going to do? Um, and I was thinking, as like, and this is what came to me the other day. I was, I was sitting with my kids and we were having dinner. Um, I'm going to grab a piece of paper and I wrote it down. And it's nothing that radical, but think about it. Um, imagine a Christianity that actually helped people. Um, that was not an exclusive club or group that thought they were chosen people. One of my issues I always had with the, uh, the kind of neo-Calvinist Christianity was the idea of like, only men can be leaders. And uh, what really bothered me was, is like, and we're the select, we're the chosen, you know? And it's funny because you look at the book of Galatians that we're going through right now and what Paul is saying is like, you know, it's not, you know, it's no longer Jew or Gentile. It's no longer, you know, the chosen people of God and then the seconds, you know, it's saying we're all one now. We're all, this is true equality. Welcome to it. You know, um, true equality is that all people suffer, all people fall short, all people make mistakes, all people go through hard times and good times and bad times and ups and downs, you know, and how do we relate to that? You, you know, there's no chosen group anymore. There's no special chosen group. And what if Christians stopped acting as though they had the secret to life, that they had it all figured out, that they were some, you know, oh, I'm, I'm not... You know, I'm not perfect, just forgiven. <laughs> you know, well then stop acting like you're goddamn perfect. Stop acting like you're the judge of judgmental, judgy, judgy McJudgerstons. You know, stop acting like you're the final word. For me, the final word is grace. And so I was thinking about the law, you know, and, and why the, why the, you know, and I, and I used to say when I was younger, I, I would talk about the law and I said, the one word that the law doesn't know is enough. You know, the one word the law never says is enough. But actually, that's, I, I feel like now I'm looking back, high insight, that's wrong. The law makes things very clear for us. It gives us structure. It gives us these ideas. And this is why we rebuild the system constantly. And it's because we have this structure system. This is good. This is bad. These people are right. These people are wrong. You know, um... If we do this, then we're okay. If we don't do this, then we're bad. So, you know, so we have all these, like, right two choices, and, and we're able to follow the laws and these rules. And then you look at something like grace, which says you are accepted. Everyone's accepted. And there is no law. And you go, oh. And the one thing that grace, I think, actually doesn't say is enough. Because grace is constantly asking us to love others even more. Grace is constantly asking us to sit down with our those we disagree with and disagree well with. And so one of the reasons of like why the thing to love our enemies, and one of the pushbacks I've always gotten with the love your enemies or we're all, you know, there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Gentile, you know, as people saying, well, what about the people who've hurt me? But what you have to realize is maybe those people who are hurting you are also suffering horrifically and that they need you to show them grace. Now, this is where you pick up your cross or you die to your flesh daily, or this is where the works come in, is, is where the really rubber hits the road, is you have to say, well, this is the Christianity that we're talking about. This is where you go into not just following Christianity, but saying, I want to be leader. I want to do some leadership. I want to help bring some leadership into Christianity. I want to change Christianity. Well, then it starts going, you have to start thinking, well, if we're going to change Christianity, then we have to go like, well, maybe these people are in a lot of pain too. 
you know, maybe these people have run to this type of church that's really exclusive and this and this because they're, they're safe in a little group and they're not, you know, they know what the rules are. Um, you know, and we've got to come in and go, what are you going through? What are you feeling to this? And so um, I'm going to read this real quick in um, Matthew Because I kept thinking about this verse in Matthew and the Beatitudes kept coming up to me in my mind. Especially 41, uh, 541. Uh, and if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also a second mile. And this idea of going the second mile. And um, I, I think Pete, I know Pete Rollins wrote about this in the book, how you know, Jesus comes and says, all right, go the second mile. And so they begin this, this organization and says, oh, okay, we've got it figured out. And they start the church of um, the second mile. And, uh, okay, well, we've got the church of the second mile, you know. And what happens is Jesus comes back and goes, oh, you know, they go, hey, look, Jesus, we've got the church of the second mile here, you know. Um, because that was the law with the Roman soldiers is they could have you walk one mile carrying their stuff. So what's the church of the second mile? What would that be? You know, they show that Jesus shows up and goes, no, <laughs> you don't get it. Now I want you to go three miles. Oh, okay, so we should change the sign to church of the, th the third mile then. No, 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 no. We got to, no, no, no. Now it should be the church of the fourth mile. You know, what Jesus is saying is always be willing to go a little bit extra for the other. You know, and um, help us to go the extra mile. And this is what, what Christianity calls us to. This is what Jesus is calls us to is this extra mile. Um, I mean, if you go to the Beatitudes uh, in, in five, I mean, uh, so many people love the Beatitudes. Like, oh, some people are like, oh, I don't even listen to, uh, to Paul, the apostle. I don't like Paul, the apostle. All I listen to is Jesus, and I just like his Beatitudes, you know. But for some reason, around 43 and, and these different things, they start to kind of not talk about it as much because 43 is kind of tough. You, you've heard what it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. And we talk about praying for persecution as in some ways when we can't really get close to those people who persecute us because we don't want to die, but we can love from afar. Um, so that you may be children of your father in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil, on the good, and sends rain on the good, and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love, for if you love those, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles, the Gentiles. <laughs> Do the same. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So when biblical perfection, when Jesus is saying be perfect, you want to be like God, you love everybody. And you learn to be patient with each other. And you learn to go suffer with one another. And you learn to listen. And you learn to disagree well. And you also learn that you, sometimes you've made mistakes you also read and grow more and find out, oh, I've gotten this wrong. And so what would we do when we realize we've gotten something wrong? We change and we move on to the next thing. And well, how do we think differently? Um, you know, it, 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 you don't dedicate yourself to something because once you realize that oh well, this isn't truth this is uh, this is something that i thought was truth and now i'm realizing it's not truth you 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 learn to accept that and move on even though it might hurt your pride it might feel weird it might feel strange i mean for me that's my life of studying 
theology and, and biblical scholarship, there's just been times where I've been like, oh my God, I, re I missed it there. And, and as I've grown so many times, like Christianity is almost unrecognizable to me to what I thought it was 20 years ago. You know, but that has to come with learning and growth and studying and, and, and living life and going to great therapy and, and studying philosophy and studying psychology and, and, and knowing humanity. You know, I mean, learning to live, realizing that this is just a collection of writings put together like a library and it's not a magical book and that you kind of have to pick and choose often, which, you know, you have to negotiate what you accept and what you don't accept. It's tough, especially if you were raised with the idea that this was like handed down from heaven. Oh. <laughs> and then everything is perfect, <laughs> you know? And it's so perfect that even the things that, <laughs> you know, aren't perfect are perfect. And you're going, what? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense, you know? Um, like when I talk about the pastoral epistles, well, they're forgeries. And then the, these guys are like, well, no, but in biblical times, it was okay to write in the name of someone else, even if you were completely disagreeing with them. Like going like, no, that's a forgery. So you have to learn to accept some of these hard truths and negotiate with them. In the Bible, it's a tough thing to do. But that's what we're called to do. Now, why am I talking about loving your enemy? Um, let's look at 538. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants you to, to sue and you take them to court, give them their cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go the extra mile. Give to everyone who begs for you. And do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. Now, these are all really tough things to accept, but why I'm saying these things is that if you call yourself, you know, a progressive Christian and you're going on to the New York, New Yorker thing where it's talking about men committing suicide and becoming alcoholics and joining conservative groups, you don't go up there and go, oh, boo-hoo, you know, oh, poor thing, oh, what, you're not getting the intention you need? That's not, that's horrible. That's a horrible way to treat anyone. You know why? Because I said those things to myself. I remember sitting down with one of my therapists once and she said, would you ever say any of the things that you say to yourself to your congregation? And I was like, well, of course not. And she's like, well, you can't do that. You can't say those things to yourself either. You're being cruel to yourself. You're judging yourself. You're tearing yourself apart holding yourself to impossible standards that you wouldn't hold anyone else up to. Why are you doing it to you? And that's why I tried to take my life because I thought I couldn't be a good father. I thought I couldn't be a good leader. I couldn't do these things anymore. And the depression tells you all these lies. So imagine if we stopped acting like Christianity was an exclusive club for our side if we started allowing the idea that pol pol the, the political, remember last talk was I am a blank Christian and not being, just not filling in the blank, just saying, you know, I'm gonna follow Christianity, you know, I'm a leftist, but you know what? I have room for my conservative brothers and sisters. I have room for my progressive brothers and sisters, you know, I have room for these folks and we're going to sit at the table and we're going to have arguments, but we can't count anybody out. We can't sit there and judge one another. When we judge each other so harshly, when we act often as though like neo-Calvinists sometimes do, you know, we drive people away. The, I mean, it, the, 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 the logical outcome of treating people like that is this torn apart system that continues to just break apart, break apart, break apart, break apart, you know? And in my early years, I thought, well, more liberal, the more liberal, the safer. And what I've realized is that human nature even cracks, jumps into the liberals and even to the progressive and even to the leftists. It breaks in and goes, and we start to tear each other apart. Well, you're not leftist enough, or you're not this enough. You're not the, or you don't meet up to my expectations because we want to create this law. We want to have these rules and these regulations that say you're in or you're out. And all that does is it continues to, to split, divide, divide, divide.
and we see all these people suffering from depression, suffering from hurt, having pain, and you think, so when you, when you see the news and you go like, oh, you know, look at these horrible conservatives and look what they're saying. But then you know the realities of the studies that these people are also dying from, you know, hopelessness. That they also are experiencing hopelessness and depression and sadness and pain and, and, and are scared and terrified, but they're just guarding themselves with these principles. And then you might look at your own self and say, well, what am I doing that? Are there any principles that I'm using that are guarding me and trying to protect me and put up a wall for me that I'm using as a boundary as well? You know, then empathy and sympathy can get through the door and we can start to love our brothers and our sisters and maybe not see them as enemies, you know, and just see them as people who have different information and different experiences than we have. And how do we bring them into the community? And how do we sit down and build relationships? And how do we lessen their pain? How do we end their suffering? You know, anyone dying, anyone losing hope is sad. How do we, you know, say maybe that's, maybe you've put your hope in the wrong thing. You know, maybe you've been sold a bill of goods, you know, and this is why it feels empty. Um, I, I just, I, 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 I really believe, you know, ask yourself, a lot of you folks here, why did you leave the church? Why did you leave, you know, tra your traditional Christian background? You know, why, why did I, what made you not, what, what makes you feel, like, why are you tuning into revolution on Sundays? And, and I see a lot of the people, a lot of cr critics of the church now who've become that very thing that they despise. They've become a hierarchy of self-righteousness. They've become the exclusive members of the exclusive club that says, look how dumb you guys are. Look how foolish you guys are. Look how ridiculous you are. Look how, look how hateful you are. Look how bad you are. And what is it saying when you're pointing all those fingers saying bad, 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 you're pointing back at yourself going, because I've got it together and I'm the right one and I'm doing this. And you're going like, isn't that why you left that other group? is because they made you feel like you were low and you were a piece of shit. Now you just feel better because now you think they're low and they're pieces of shit. Like you've just become a judgmental bastard. And what you've realized is like, well, if they were judgmental bastards and they made them happy, I'll just judge them back and that'll make me happy. So, you know, what I'm saying is, is when we're using this type of judgment towards other people, we have to really check our motives and check our heart and check our minds and, and ask ourselves, what are we doing? Are we just changing scapegoats? You know, are we just really just changing one legalism for another type of legalism? Are we just leaving one organization for another organization that just does the same thing, but just in a more friendly way, you know? Um, you know, I've always felt one of the ways that, uh, you know, politicians can really manipulate us is by helping small groups that are suffering and they'll say, well, we'll reach out to this group and we'll do, you know, we'll help them. And then that group that's felt so ostracized for so long feels a little bit of acceptance and they feel a little bit of loyalty because this group is showing them sort of love and grace that they haven't felt before or supporting them and the other group doesn't, but they don't really support that group. They just give them crumbs from the table. But when you've had nothing, the crumbs feel good. They taste like a meal. And, um, and so you become loyal for those crumbs. You know, but then you have to look and go, well, I'm getting crumbs, but who else, who's not getting the crumbs? Who else, are there other people suffering 
at the hands of these folks. And I think that's what's interesting about Christianity is Christianity is always asking you to identify with the outcast, with the failure, with the, the crucified Savior, you know, with the abandoned Christ. <laughs> you know, it's always asking you to stay in that identifier of the lowly. And you have to find who is the, who am I making the least of these? Who am I making the least of these? As you do the least of these, you do to me. If you can't love, what is it in First John? If you can't love a God, you can. I mean, if you can't love people, you can't. You if you can't, what does it say? How can you love someone you can see? How can you hate someone you can see? Or how can you love a God that you can't see if you can't love people you can see? Something like that. I, I, I'm not doing it justice. I'm paraphrasing it right now. But the point is, is, as you do unto the least of these, so you also do to me. You know, so as we treat those who are least to us, So I guess what I uh, so clumsily trying to say today is that I feel like if we want Christianity to become something new and different and unique and we want to see a reform, reformation happen truly in this world, we do not allow ourselves to become a club. Um, we don't act as though we have all the answers. Um, we learn to disagree well. We learn to love well. We learn to show grace. We, we listen to the words of Paul, neither male nor female, no Jew, nor Gentile, nor slave, nor free, no Republican, nor Democrat, or conservative, or liberal. Um, we, touch, we touch into the truth there, but we also listen to the words that Paul puts in, the, in near the end of Galatians where he goes, you know, Beware of biting and devouring one another because you may become consumed by the other. Do not consume each other. Do not destroy each other. Um, now, does this mean that we don't hold people accountable? Does this mean that we don't speak truth to power? No, that's not what it's saying because if we, if we look at these words and with this text, what is this text saying? It's speaking truth to power. What we don't realize is maybe how much power we actually have. Um, you know, there's a reason that the people that we've perceived as the power group this whole time are now the ones who are suffering with depression and loss of education, loss of jobs, alcoholism, suicide, you know, this is the group that we, oh, this is the bad group. These are the men. These are these men at this age, and they do all this horrible stuff. And these are the guys in power, and now they're falling apart, and they're killing themselves. So obviously, um, there are people who have more power than they think. Obviously, um, there's got to be more room for nuances in, in, in humanity and in suffering. There's got to be less scapegoating. So anytime we say something like all cops are bastards or all men are bastards or all white people are bastards or all this group is that or all gays are this way, we scapegoat. We're scapegoating. We're, we're scapegoating each other. You know? So anytime conservatives go, oh, it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the, the drag queens doing the kids stories, you know, it's okay. Now you're scapegoating a whole group of people <laughs> and you're scapegoating tr drag queens, you know? Um, and we're just going to have to be adults about it and, and be open to nuance and be human beings about it. Um, Cause we've got so much work to do in this country, you know? We've got so much to do, you know, and to look at. And the things they're told us to do aren't working. 
there's the this so I don't have an answer for you today but what I have to do is I I've been told to vote you know and, and a lot of my friends said well Jay just vote blue no matter who you know and that's what I did done most of my life and and I'm going that doesn't work anymore you know voting blue no matter who does not work anymore it's not changing things you know um You know, black men are still being killed by the police. You know, um, most of us, in, in, you know, who live in the States are one sickness away from being homeless and bankrupt. You know, so politicians aren't solving our problems. Um, so I think Christianity might not be such a bad thing at this point in our life of loving others and loving our enemies and making changes. How do we change ourselves in order to help change others? How do we accept ourselves in order to accept others? Um, how can I, I can't, you know, Dr. King said, I can't be what I should be until you are what you should be. You know, how do we help people realize these things? And, uh, how do we respect the suffering of others in their different situations and the different nuances? You just have to learn. And, and someone said here in the comments earlier, like, why do we always have to be a part of a group? And you're right, because not even even groups that say they're groups change aren't aren't on the same page. You know, um, everybody has different rules for different situations and for different types of people. And uh, I guess my question for you guys is, is this, is what is the problem? And what are ways that we can solve this problem? And how can we have empathy and sympathy for each other and help each other more? You know, it feels kind of hopeless, to be honest with you. Um, and, and, and I feel it deeply, I mean, especially having two young children in this world. And, and, and what I've realized I've done, and I don't think this is healthy, <laughs> I'm going to share that with you, is that, um, I'm very introverted and I spend a lot of time by myself when I'm not with my children and I don't go out as much. And it's almost as though I've realized in a, almost in an unconscious, I guess it's a conscious level now, but unconsciously in some ways and now consciously realizing it is that I've just become so disillusioned with humanity, you know, and with people. And at the same time, I have this great amount of hope for humanity, you know, and it's like, here I am. I have this great contradiction of this hope for humanity where I'm coming on here going like, we've got to, we've got to do better. We can do better. You know? And at the same time, I don't want to leave my house. You know? Um, because I'm... It's almost like, you know, you wince. You're afraid of everybody. You're like, who am I going to offend next? Whose toes am I going to... St who's going to be pissed off at me next? Who's going to cancel me? You know? Now, I already had the right cancel me <laughs> for, for, for my radical ideas, you know. And now the left, it seems to be really, like, I have to walk on eggshells with them as well now, you know. Like, who, you know, like, I'm, a, I'm, like I'm as afraid of a guy in a three-piece suit as I am as, you know, somebody with, like, blue hair and a freaking leather jacket. And, you know, like, I'm... I'm equally as nervous. Like, I don't feel like, oh, well, there's my people. There's my tribe. You know what I mean? I don't even feel like I have a tribe anymore. Maybe that's great. Maybe it's maybe that's what we're called to be is not have a tribes anymore. They're, if they're a Jew or Gentile. You know? So, I don't know. I'm going to choose love. I'm going to continue to choose love. And I hope you guys will do the same. And I hope we'll continue to go on this, this together. But I felt like today, that's why I, I, I just needed to take a break from Galatians today. Because I just needed to say is like, there's, there is suffering. Endless amounts of suffering in this world. And, um, and we should be aware of that. We need to 
being aware of that of people who are losing hope in this in this country and people who are losing hope everywhere. And uh, it, it's the world's in a bad place. And it's it's it hopelessness is really taken over. And and fear is is controlling a lot of our decisions. You know, um, I don't want those I disagree with to feel hopelessness. I don't want revenge. And I think we have to get that revenge out of our head and vengeance out of our minds. So there you go. Love you guys. I appreciate your time today. I know today was a bit of a rant, but... I just feel like we're in a position where we, I'm in a position where I had to kind of confront that this suffering and these tragedies that are happening just every day, you know, especially in my own country. It's just devastating. It seems like a different world. And um, I do believe what we talk about here is part of the solution. And I do believe inclusion like radical inclusion, like enemies inclusion is part of the answer. And that, that's why I, I continue to teach Christianity because I think radical Christianity, radical theology um, is the answer uh, or at least is, is a big part of it. So take that with you and um, hopefully we can reform this this place and, and, and start doing what we're called to do. Like really, like really following the Beatitudes, not just like the hippie parts, but also like the really tough parts. And uh, let's just at least see if it works. Thanks a lot, everybody. If you like what we do, you can go to revolutionchurch.com, support us there, or share this stuff with your friends and neighbors. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. Bye-bye. listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.